If you don't have a Bible, please grab one. There's one next to you um, on the chairs, on the ends. There's some on the, on the lamp. We are going to go through Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. At Church Project, uh, we've been going through Luke since January, and we are going to continue to go through Luke. We're, we're in no, like, obviously race mode to get through Luke. We've made it to chapter 9, and the, the year's almost over, so... Who knows, we may be in Luke for two years, but, but that's okay. There's plenty of Bible. Uh, we, we have no rush to get through it. We just want to get through as much as God shows us. And this week, we're getting through 17 verses, believe it or not. This is, this is incredible. This is, a, this is big for us. So Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 17 is what we're going to go through. Um, I would encourage you all to open your Bibles, write in them, um, do whatever uh, you need to do to take notes. But let me read through these 17 verses, and then we'll just get, get into it today. Luke chapter 9, verses one, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. Verse 6, so they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others, the one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who, then, is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned all about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Verse 12, late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. But he said to his disciples, have them sit in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot there, isn't there? One of our hopes as, as Church Project is that um, we want to be very biblical. Everything that we do, we want it to be based out of the Bible. We want to be simple. We want to be relevant. We don't want to have to take the Scripture and flash it up and make it something that has lights are flashing and booming and getting your attention. I believe that if you would sit down with the Scripture... And you would ask God, you would ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. Things would jump off of this page. Things would jump off the scripture that would transform our lives. 
I, I say it often, but one of the, the, one of the benefits of being the pastor and being able to teach is that I, I'm called on every week to be able to sit down and accurately, as, as much as I can, talk through the scripture, which means I'm spending a lot of time in it during the week. There's things that, that jump out at me as I read through this, but there's things that have jumped out at me that I can't even get to this morning. And my prayer is that you would sit down with Scripture yourself and you would go through it because God will speak to you in very cool ways. As we, as we begin to look at this, I want to go to verse 1, and I just want to highlight a couple things as, as, we, as we read through it that really jumped off at me. And if you look at verse 1, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave. He gave. I had to hit pause. I had to think, he gave. He gave. What a powerful two words that I had to sit and just kind of meditate on. He gave. He gave. Only Jesus can give that power and authority. Because what did he give to his disciples? If, if you look in that verse, he gave them power. He gave them authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. I mean, that's not like an app you can get on your phone to do that. I mean, that, you, where do you go to get this? Like, he gave it. Only Jesus, who had all authority, was able to give the power to these 12 disciples, power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and to preach the kingdom of God. He gave it, and only God had that power. And not only this, he was the first word. He, Jesus, with all the power, gave. Wow, what does that mean? If, if Jesus is able to give this out, then that means that Jesus himself has this power. If you've ever had something, and you wanted to give it to somebody, there's intention there, isn't it? I look here, and I see that Jesus had an intention, and his heart is about giving God's work, to God's people. How cool is that? Like Jesus had this power. Jesus had this authority. All power and authority to go cast out demons. He had it. And what does he do? He gives it to us. How cool is that? His heart is about giving God's work and his purpose to his people. That makes me smile when I think about that. That makes me say, God, thank you so much for that. If a need isn't being met, just look around. If a need isn't being met around the world, it isn't because God doesn't care. Maybe it's because God's people don't care enough. Right? Jesus has this power, and he gives it to us. And so as we look around and we hear news and we hear oftentimes devastating stuff, I have to ask myself, is it because God doesn't care? No, he cares deeply. He loves deeply. Maybe that his people, us, his Christians, the ones that have his name and are covered by his blood, maybe we need to rally. Maybe we need to walk in the authority that God has given us in this power. Man, Matthew 28, 19, 18 and 19, maybe you know this, says this. Then Jesus came to them and, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. God has given us the power to go and speak his love to a world that needs love. God has given us authority to go out and to, and to heal and to help people and to speak life into dead places and to offer hope where there is no hope. So are, are we walking in that? See, God's heart is for God's people to do God's work. He had given us his power. And if you want to think about it in, in sporting terms or whatever, he, he coached us. 
He, he equipped us. He didn't just send us on the field empty-handed. He equipped us. He trained us. He, we were ready, and we are ready for battle. We are ready to go and speak life into dead places and to say, hey, Greeley, there's hope and there's love. He's equipped us, and it's called the Holy Spirit that he gives us. Are we spending time praying? Are we spending time walking in that power and focusing on who God is? He gave us that. That is pretty cool. Let's go on. I'm skipping a whole lot through here because I'm hoping you're going to go and read it later. But let's go to verse 5, okay? If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet. Then walk on. Get on down the road. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet. I have a friend right now who's, who's about to move, and he's had a really rough time. Recently, he's had, he's had a really rough time, and, and he has a huge heart. He's very passionate. He loves people. He wants the best for people. But unfortunately, the people that he's around right now, they're just not accepting him, and ultimately, they're not accepting the love of God that, that is flowing through him, and he's moving on, and his heart's hurt, hurting. And the one thing I want to tell him is, you've tried your best. Like, you've done all you can. Now it's time to shake off the dust off your feet and get on down the road because there's people that need hope, and there's people people that need love. And if people around you are not accepting it, don't let that discourage you. Move on, because there's people that need this hope and this great message. How is it in your life right now? Maybe you're going through a time that's really, really rough. Maybe you, you want the best for people, and I, and I hope that's you. Hopefully, you're able to speak the love of God to people all around you. But do people always accept that when you, when you talk about His love in their life? No. You mean we give up on them? No, we don't give up on them. We keep praying for them. We keep hoping that one day God will chase them down and they'll surrender. But Jesus is looking at his disciples right here. And, and this is something that in Old Testament times, you know, if you were Jew and you walked through a Gentile town, that, that, it was bad. And so the Old Testament, you, you literally were supposed to shake the dust off your feet and move on because Jews and Gentiles, they were just two separate people. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, if you go into a town, if you go into a city and you're preaching the good news and you're offering love and hope and people are rejecting you and asking you to leave, then leave and shake the dust off your feet as a symbol and move on. And I think about this personally and I think of all of us and I think there's also a time when Jesus is chasing us down in our life and we have a moment where we can respond to him and what he's doing in our life. But I also think, that there's a moment when God has chased us for so long and we've rejected him for so long and we said, God, we won't go there. We won't do this. God, I'm going to live life on my own. And I think there's a moment where God honestly shakes the dust off his feet and moves on because of our unresponse to him. What's God doing in your heart? What's he been prodding in your life? He's chasing after you. He wants you. He loves you. All of you. Are we rejecting God? Are we saying, God, I'm sorry, I got this on my own. I hope that's not the case today. Let's go on here. Shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town as a testimony against them. Verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing the people everywhere. I, I underline set out in my Bible. I love those two words. It seems like today a lot of two words are in place for me. But they set out. There was action, wasn't there? God's heart is for God's people to do God's work. 
Now, this one is always tricky for me because we always get into talk in church world. If you've been in church world long, we get into talk about God's grace and works, right? And it's like, I don't have to do anything because of God's grace. He loves me, and I can just sit and do nothing all my life, which is true, kind of. But then there's this works things where it's like, no, you're saved, and I love you, so you can tell others about God. It's this grace and works mixture that in my life I'm always struggling through. I want to give us two verses, three verses here. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by God's grace you have been saved. Thank you, God. Right? Thank you, God. Through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That verse says, our works don't save us. It's by God's grace. It's a free gift that we have God's love in our life. Thank you, God, for that. Move on to the next verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, handcrafted by God, created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Is it our works? Is it our helping our old grandmas across the street that saves us? No. Not at all. What saves us is that the moment that God looked at us, said, child, I love you. Aaron, I love you. And we surrender our life to him and say, God, I want to follow you. That's what saves us. And he looks at us and he says, tell a world that's in need about my love. Go do things. And as I look at the disciples here, Jesus has gifted them, he's equipped them, he's trained them, he's done all of this. And he says, go and spread this good news, this gospel, the moment where my story and your story collided and you realized how much I love you and go tell everyone. And they set out in verse six to do good works because their lives had been transformed by God. See, we have our gifts. We have our talents. We have the resources to do everything that God has asked us to do in life, to go from village to village, to go from country to country, to preach this gospel, to spread the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask us this, do you and I set out daily to do that? Do we set out to tell people the love of Jesus Christ? Or do we just fall in, in the rut of living for ourselves and going about every day, mundane, whatever it may be, Focused on us. We'll get, that in, in, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I just want to ask us that. Do you and I set out daily to show others the love of God? I can say some days I do. Some days I have the right attitude. And some days I actually, and I think it's probably in and out of this attitude every day. Some days I'm actually focused on, God, I want to pray for that person. Or he's prompted me to pray for that person. Or to do something special for someone. Sometimes when I have the right attitude, ministry is right there in front of me. Like, I, this person needs the love of God somehow. But I would say, honestly, a majority of the time, I'm too focused on me and I'm too busy. How about you? Let's go to verse 10. <clears throat> when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them. They took, they, where, am, where am I? I lost my place. Sorry. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. I, I, I like how in verse 10 he withdrew, everyone, they withdrew together by themselves. They, they withdrew into a, a silent area 
I don't know about you, but in my life, oftentimes, I'm very, very, I'm too busy. And I don't withdraw with God enough. I don't spend those moments with God where he can speak to me and he can heal me and and we can just lock eyes and he can love on me and I can begin to learn who he is. But we see here, it's so important. There's people. Jesus at this time is healing people all over the place. Thousands of people are chasing after him. And what does he do with his disciples? They withdraw to a a quiet spot. Verse 11, but... Those butts in the Bible always stick out, don't they? Verse, verse 11, but even though they withdrew, even though they're spending time by themselves, the power of God and the love of God is so big that but the crowd followed him. Jesus is never too tired to hear from you. He's never too tired to hear from you. You, you may think, I've asked God too many things recently, or, or I, I am in so much pain that I don't know if I want to bring this to God. Uh, some of us, when we're thinking really bad, we say, I can only go to God when I get my life right. Like, when I, when I stop doing this, or when I stop thinking this, or, you know, what, I have to get my life right before I can go to God. I don't want to interrupt Him. Like, He's a holy God, and I'm separate from Him, and we, we begin to, to say, God, I want to come to you, but I, I'm too busy. And maybe you're too busy. You've got a whole world to care for. That's wrong thinking. See, Jesus is by himself with the, with the disciples. Thousands of people need him. And even though they're by themselves, the crowds followed him. Jesus is never too tired to hear from you. He sees pain. He wakes up and he meets this pain. As we get into this next story here, this is, it's a continuation of this story here. But there's 5,000 people. Just kind of skim through this, these verses, is the last verses here. There's, there's 5,000 and it says men. So if you were to think women and children, how many would there be? Maybe you know 10,000, I don't know. Maybe 15,000, I don't know. But there's at least 5,000 people here. And that is overwhelming. And the disciples come and they say, God, what are you going to do about this? Like there's tons of people here. They're hungry. We're in the middle of nowhere, and they're chasing after you. What are you going to do about this? And this is the point of this whole passage that speaks the most to me. Look at verse 13. God, what are you going to do? Like They're here. They're hurting. They're in pain. And we've seen you heal people. We've seen you walk on water. We've seen you do incredible stuff. So we're pretty excited to see what you're going to do with these 5,000 people. In verse 13, he replied, you give. Church, you give. We have the power of Jesus Christ. He loves us. He's chased us down. There's people that are in need all around us. And Jesus at this point doesn't say, oh, I got this, guys. 5,000. He goes, no, you give. Disciples, you give. You do it. You give them something to eat. And then they go on with all these complaints and all this stuff. But Jesus says, you give them. I think about my time living in Mexico, our family. I had never seen so much need as when we lived in Mexico. And I, and I was never more aware that God had put me in a spot to fill a need that no one else could, could meet. For example, there, there was a family 
And she lived in a shack, no bigger than this stage, that no water could not penetrate. Like it was, it was, it was barely a doghouse with all her kids and no electricity, no running water, devastating. Like you've probably seen pictures, or maybe you yourself have experienced this or seen something like this. But just devastating. I, I would have destroyed this shack if it was my garage, like to keep in my lawnmower. I'd be like, it's not safe to keep my lawnmower in. Well, this is where the mom and this is where um, the kids lived. And it, I, we looked, our family looked, and we saw a huge need. And it was clear to me that for Christmas one year, we were going to ask all our rich American friends to buy a goat for this family. <laughs> so we asked our rich American friends to buy a goat for this family, and we ended up giving her a goat or two or three. I don't even remember, but it was clear to me that at that point, I, I could say, God, this family is in desperate need. Like, what are you going to do? Don't you love them? And he goes, yeah, I love them. And Aaron, by the way, I've equipped you. Do something about it. So I had a chance, and we had a moment where we had to send emails out. We had to walk, and we had to do stuff for God. And ultimately, they got a couple of goats, and it was great. And, but there was action, and there had to be action. I've seen the same desperation in Costa Rica. I've seen the same des- desperation in Haiti. One day, I hope our church will be going to Haiti with the partnerships we already have built there. But that doesn't have to happen overseas. Like There's desperation here as well. There's desperation physically here. There's desperations emotionally and, def- and definitely spiritually here. Let's just walk in any direction from those doors. And there is need right here. But I, I, there's a huge truth that's being spoken right here. Last week, we were able to go and build a fence. Why did we build a fence? Because Christina set it up so we would go build a fence. Or else we would still be talking about building a fence. We were able to mud out some houses a few weeks ago. Why? Because church project. Some one of us organized it so we could go and mud out houses with Samaritan's Purse. There's Samaritan's Purse, right? In one of those. But there was action. There was action. Just not good intention. There was action. Do you see need? Do you see hurt? Do you see darkness? It's up to us. God has powered us. He's equipped us. It's time to move. It's time to get on. As a church, our job is to equip the saints to do the work of the Lord, the ministry, Ephesians 4.12. It's not up to church project. It is up to the church, the ecclesia, each and every one of us to walk in the power that God has given us. Do we see a need? Let's go to Jesus. And as we ask him to fill this need, oftentimes he's going to say, you go do it. But you're not alone. I've equipped you to do this. 5,000 people or more need love. They need food. Now I've equipped you to do this. What is it in our life that we see a need that we're waiting for someone else to fill? Ouch, that hurts, doesn't it? Sorry. Let's go to verse 16. This is cool for me. I love this verse. Taking the five loaves, Jesus now takes the five loaves, then the two fish, looks up to the heaven, he gives thanks and he breaks it. Then he gives them to the disciple and set before the people. Verse 17. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. I think what's really cool here is 
Jesus takes the little that the disciples brought him, takes the little, breaks it, blesses it, and gives it back to them. Jesus takes the little, breaks it, blesses it, and gives it back to them. Jesus takes our lives, the little we can bring, takes it, breaks it, molds us, loves us, transforms us, shapes us, blesses it, gives it back. But why does he, why does he give it back here? Jesus didn't bless this food, the bread and the fish, for the disciples to just, ah, just pig in. Ah, let's go. They pig out. Let's go for it, you know? Jesus takes the little that they could offer, which, by the way, I, don't, I didn't do the math on this, but I think 12 disciples, grown men, what they brought him in the first place wasn't even enough for them to eat, was it? Right? He takes the little, he breaks it, he blesses it, he gives it back to them, not for them to pig out on, but to do what? To immediately go and feed the other people. Now this little food that wasn't even enough to feed them, Jesus takes it, breaks it, blesses it, gives it back to them for them immediately to go out and to feed the hungry people that were there. And what happens at the end of the story? This is easy to overlook. At the end of the story, when all those people were fed, they go around and they collect 12 baskets of food, plenty enough for each disciple to pig out at that moment. God blesses our lives. Would you agree that you're blessed? Does he bless it for you? No. <clears throat> he blesses our lives for a world in pain and in need. And yes, selfishly, I guess he does bless it for us too, right? He takes the little bit that we can give him. He breaks it. He blesses it so we can show a world and we can meet needs wherever we go. And at the end, when we gather up the leftovers, it's going to be more than we even brought them in the first place. Isn't that cool? Some of us have money problems because we're bad managers with our money. <laughs> I fall in and out of that all the time, right? Some of us have money problems because we're bad managers of our money. Some of us have money problems because I feel like God has stopped blessing what he's given us because we use that extra money for our own selfish stuff. God, thank you for this extra money that I'm going to go buy extra stuff for me for. Now, God doesn't say, I want you to be ascetic. I want you to rid yourself of all pleasure. God doesn't say that. He wants us to, to live and to live life fully and to enjoy things. But he doesn't bless our lives for our selfish gain. To put it another way, we're not meant to consume our own fruits. God loves us. He's taken our life. He's broken it, and he's blessed it for a world that needs it. Now, are we sharing that love with everyone around us? It's time to start using what God has given us for others. Would you agree? It's time to start using the little that we could bring God, that he's broken and blessed for people that need his love. That's a pretty cool challenge, church, isn't it? I want us to go into the, the first uh, Sunday of every month. We do communion, and, and, and uh, I, I want us to focus in on, on communion today. If you would, just close your Bible. And, 
This is the time I pray for more than anything on our weekends. My words mean nothing and they're meaningless unless God is guiding your heart in this, unless the Holy Spirit's prompting something in you. So this time, if you would, just just close your eyes. If if you would, just hold your hands out in front of you and, and let God work and mold on you right now in this moment and in your heart and in your mind. Hold your hands out in front of you if you're comfortable with it and just say, God, I receive what it is you want to show me today. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit is moving in each one of our hearts and in our minds. And church, I want to ask you some questions, just some things to think about in this moment right here. Just quietly where you sit. What is the gospel story of your life? Has your life intersected with the love of God? If so, church, are we sharing that with others? Has it so gripped us and transformed us that we can't wait to tell others the story of our lives and what you've done in our lives? If not, maybe in this place right now, you just pray, God, God, please give me the strength and the passion and the motivation and whatever else I lack to be able to share this wonderful story, this good news, this gospel story about your kingdom and your love with others that don't know it. Please give me moments this week of complete clarity and and heart, my heart just bursting open where I'm able to somehow show others your love. pray that you give me the strength to walk in that and to do that. There's another question for us, church, as we look around in the world, it doesn't take long to see that there's needs. What needs have you met? Or are you waiting for someone else to meet them? the last time you withdrew by yourself with Jesus to a quiet place? What blessings is God giving you in your life? He's given us so many blessings in our life. And we're using those blessings to bless others. Or is it just for our own selfish ways, gains, needs? Maybe with your hands out in front of you, you can just picture putting all the blessings you have in your life in those hands and offering them back to God, saying, God, these blessings, my life, the extra, whatever it is, is not mine in the first place. You've given it to me. And so place all those in your hands and just hold them back out to God and say, God, use these, take these. This is all I can offer in my life. They're back to you, God, where they belong. What things are we holding on to that we really should be given to Jesus? I'm going to end on that question. 
What things are we holding on to that we think we can do it without Jesus? For some of us, honestly, it's our life. We've been living life on our own, separate from God, because we just think we're that good. Really? How's that turning out for you? The gospel story in my life is Aaron Haven's a proud man. who fails over and over and over again if I'm doing life on my own. But the good news is I don't have to do life on my own. Jesus loves me. Gives me everything I need to be satisfied in Him and to go from village to village telling others about this story. to ask us to go into a time here of, of just complete reflection and worship. There's multiple ways that I want to invite us to do this. I'd like us, if, if, if you're okay with it, just to stand, just to continue to hold your hands out in front of you. We're going to go into a time of worship. We're going to sing a song of, of praise to Jesus, and I'd ask all of us, just, just stay in this room during this song. Let God work on your heart, not your neighbors, not your kids, but your heart during this song. And then after this song, I'm going to invite us as a church, if, if we have kids, I'm going to invite us to, if you want to, go get your child and come back, and then we'll go through a time of communion and, and worship some more. But this song, this song is about you and God. Danny. Brant are up front here. They would love to pray with you if, if you just want to pray with someone right now. But this song is about you and God. What is God doing in your heart? If you'd like prayer, you can come on up front as we worship through this song.